0: Sales is difficult if you try to sell. Sales becomes much, much, much easier as you try to add value. So if you're in the position where you're getting price objections, it's probably because you're allowing your, your prospects to see you in the exact same light as all of your competitors. On today's Engaging
1: Marketeer podcast, I am speaking with David Kelly. David is an expert when it comes to sales, but he is also an expert when it comes to b David has invited more visitors to BNI, the networking organization uh, for business uh, referrals, in the UK than anybody else. He is the number one visitor bringer to BNI meetings. And I thought I brought a lot. I've brought something like 47, 48 visitors so far in, in one year, up to about 11 months. He's in the hundreds. And he has brought thousands of visitors to meetings. I'm gonna be talking to David about how the hell has he done that and what are his tips and tricks and techniques that he teaches people to do better at sales, be better at closing, better at conversions. So let's hear what David's got to say. Sales is one of the things obviously I wanted to talk to you about because that, that's kind of your your bag, isn't it? That's that's your specialty. Yeah. So, in your years of experience what what are the main things that people do wrong when they're trying to to make a sale to a potential prospect
0: so firstly when you're talking about sales like sales and marketing for me should be like one and the same thing that in in so many businesses i've worked in worked for or like consulted with there's so many of them where the sales and the marketing teams don't speak so mm. i was talking about this the other day one of my first ever Roles And what? So I've only had, before I set up my, because my background is office supplies, before I set that business up, I'd only had two roles, both five and five, nearly five years, both of them. The first company I worked for, the biggest in the world, that did office supplies, and the sales team and the marketing team never spoke. So me as a salesperson, all I thought marketing did was create flyers. <laughs> We'd get these flyers once a month at the team meeting that we could go into businesses and hand them out. That was literally it. They never spoke to us about what clients we needed on the ground. Like we weren't engaging with them in any way, so when I'm speaking with businesses now, the big thing for me is like, what, like your marketing team, your sales team, what are the like, who's doing what, who's accountable for what, and what could we do more together? And the amount of companies that are going where they've got call center type businesses and they've got scripts that have been written. I'm like, who's written this? And then we'll speak to the person that's written it. And it's someone in marketing that's never made a sales call in their life, or even worse, someone in HR that's never doesn't even know anything about sales. I and mean, we say what. Like Why have you, Why has it come that you're, you've written it and said, I just got asked to do it? And they're just, oh, okay, I'll do it. And you've you're not actually done yourself any favours by doing it. You thought you're doing them a favour. um. So that's the important bit where sales and marketing are actually speaking together and the different departments are on the same page as to what you're trying to achieve. And obviously, what is the result that you're trying to deliver to the client? And that's the bit that I'm big on. In terms of the front-end sales, the people where they go wrong is that people just try to sell. <laughs> And it's, it's a really easy distinction. If you try to sell, sales is really difficult. The amount of times I'll stand in a room, I'll say, who, who do you think sales is easy? And very, very few hands go up, You know, unless you're in that environment of a recruitment floor where, yeah, yeah sales is really easy because they're, they're smashing the commissions at the moment. But sales is difficult if you try to sell. Sales becomes much, much, much easier as you try to add value. So I think I try to do in businesses and the people I work with and consult with is to help them to understand how they can build their value proposition so that they don't have any competitors in their marketplace. But that that is more sort of the marketing side, so it almost becomes before you're marketing anything it's how you it's how you perceive what it is that you're doing, what is the result that you're trying to deliver to a set audience, and then right what market we can, can we put, create that delivers that result to those people so that for marketing, effective marketing is attracting those that you want and repelling those that you don't. Mm-hmm. so it's like what can we do to build a market of one because no one else is delivering the result that we're delivering? And then how can we get it in front of the right people? So they lap it up, but then almost more importantly, the people that aren't our ideal client, they go, oh no, that's not, that's not for me.
1: Hmm. That, that's an important thing I think you've mentioned there, and I've, I had a rant about this the other day actually, about repelling the clients you don't want. Because yeah. there are people you you don't want to work with, and when you're new in business, you don't realise this. You know, You want to take on every client you can get, because every client is money, and you don't want to turn away money, you don't want to turn away business. How important is it, do you think, as you grow, to get rid of the clients you don't want and turn them away
0: and turn them off? So I get, I completely get it, and I've and I've been there on more than one occasion. When you first set a business up, you are, you need clients coming through the door. You need to put food on the table. You've got rent to pay. You've got your mortgage payments to pay. Whatever the things are that you've got going in your life, and it's really difficult to turn clients away. And I get it, but the problem is, if you set a business up without the strategy behind just to where you're going, you start taking on clients from here, there, and everywhere. And you end up in that position and trades are the ones that I, I would say are most notorious for it. We all know tradespeople people that work 12 hour, 14 hour, 16 hour days, some days, five, six days a week. And that's their life for 40 years. And it's because they never had any time to put a strategy together and see what it is they want to actually achieve in their life. Mm-hmm. So what I try to do with people and working with them is trying to give them a sales strategy that works for them so that the business is working for them rather than them just working for a business. And it. The problem with getting so many clients on so quickly or just taking clients from here there and everywhere is that you get a load of clients that you they're not your ideal client the result that you're trying to deliver is not what they want and it's either you've got loads of clients that are taking loads and loads and loads of your time which is the one thing that we all, all, all are only limited on mm. or the clients that you've um you've got on board don't value the thing that you're doing and it comes it's, it's really it just comes really really difficult to manage but if you have your starting point as This is the type of person or the type of business or the type of client that I would love to influence. This is the result I've got to a problem that they have got. And then frame your solution all around that and be confident enough to go, do you know what? I'm not a great fit for you. So I I turn away. About 80% of people that I speak to, to advise on, I turn them away. And I say turn away. I don't work with them because I'm not the fit for what it is that they need. Mm. I need to be passionate about something to add the ultimate amount of value. So I wouldn't work with somebody where I didn't feel like I have a good fit for them, um, a good fit for the business or a good fit for the sector that they were in just cause I'm not going to be able to deliver the most amount of value that I can. So I'd rather pass them on to somebody else. But in being confident about that, you can charge a lot more for what you're doing because once you find someone that is your ideal client, they will see that you're the perfect person. There's nobody else out there that would be able to deliver that result for them anyway. There's a, there's a guy called Pedro Adeo. I don't know if you've heard of him. He, he's no. big on challenge. Like, um, Within, within like the funnel-building world, he's big on challenges. He runs these massive, massive challenges and has loads of success, and he's just training on how to run these challenges. Um, and I heard something he said years ago, and it really resonated with me. He said, once you found your people, you find your purpose. And it resonated with me because I was thinking, at the time, I had some clients that I was thinking, I don't even like them. Do you know those clients that you think of? And we're all in that anyone that – anyone that is – listening to this and see, and you know, that one client that when they phone, you got, you're like, Oh, what are they going to want now? Like we've all, I I don't think I've got any of those at the moment, actually, but in the past I have had them, but I've consciously thought I need to stop taking these clients on. Mm. And by, by if your marketing is right and you're publicizing and you're showing the result that you can deliver to a problem for a niche audience, you actually get a lot more, a lot more traction with the people that you want. But you don't have to have the conversations, the awkward ones, with the ones that have got unrealistic results or they're not actually bothered about what it is that you do. They just want whatever they can get the cheapest and how fast they can get it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, by, by having a bit more strategy behind it and putting some time into the strategy and where you're trying to get to, you're much more likely to get there. And obviously the flip side is if you don't put any time into it, you're never going to be able to get there.
1: And, and it makes your your life a lot better as well if you work with people you like. If you're working with businesses that you don't like, and as you say, when the phone rings, you're like, oh, not them again. And it just adds to your stress. You don't want to go in. You don't want to do the job. You just It just makes it better if you work with people you enjoy working with, I feel.
0: Yeah, 100%. And you know, if you've got different demographics that you work with, it's important that the marketing that you're doing to try to get in front of those people is attracting those. So I was in a, a business this morning, and they've got certain different buckets that their clients would go into so you know if somebody we're talking about uh, people that are home movers and if you've got um a, a market of people that are 20 to 30 years old and you're talking to them about buying the first home and saving for the first home and things like that they're going to resonate with it because that's the situation they're in if you start talking to them and your solution and what you're thinking i'm going to put to the market is how to plan effectively for your retirement they're probably not on that page at the moment but then the flip side, you might have someone that's fifty or sixty years of age. You might have a little bit of property at the moment, and they might be getting to the point where they're thinking, right, how can I get everything in a position so it's right for when I when I do finally pass away? You cannot market to those two audiences with those two audiences with the same amount of success with the same thing. You just can't. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many businesses out there that go, right, you know what? I am going to just do this. We are we are an estate agent, and we'll sell your house and bang, and they'll put whatever they think the most innovative marketing thing that they can do into the market, which will cost them money. But what they'll do is they're trying to put it in front of so many people that aren't interested that marketing becomes so, so, so expensive that a lot, a lot of businesses end up turning it off or going, oh, that marketing thing's really expensive. It doesn't work. It's because they're putting it in front of the wrong people. And it's just all it is, is the stra- like strategy, they've not got a strategy. In my, my mind, strategy is just prioritizing. So we've all got different things that we're trying to do. But when you put some time into strategy, it's just right. What are the priorities? What is the thing that we can do now that's going to have the greatest amount of impact? And there might be 10 things you want to do. Like, you can't do all 10. What's the one that will make the greatest amount of impact if we change it now? Change that one thing. Once that starts to have an impact and that's in place and it's working well, move on to the next one. But well, trying to do all those different things at the same time and being one thing to all people, it's, I mean, go back to the BI analogy that we use. If you ask for anybody, you get nobody. It's the yeah. same, it's the same, same in the world.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. And, and still this morning, I, I heard people asking for anybody, it just keeps happening. Yeah. Some people even say, you're not supposed to say anybody in B&I, and then they proceed to ask for anybody. So
0: I say, look, if you don't know who I'll be introduced to, it's impossible for me or anyone else to introduce you. And the amount of times that even in my life, once I've put some time into thinking like, these are the people I want to be engaging with, within a matter of days, I will see somebody else, or I will notice something, or I'll hear from somebody else that they are working with a client that, because I've put some proactive time into understanding how I could help solve the problem that they have got, suddenly I'm like, oh, wait, I know that they can get me in with that person. And that's not just within the B and I world. That's just in the that's in your circles, your contacts, spheres, your, your family, your friends, all those different types of things. You'll start to hear the things. It's the old reticular activator, isn't it? It's just like, oh, I looked up that law firm the other day. What you started working with them? Amazing. Well, I looked up, and they're actually, you know, they're not. They don't get any traction on the stuff that they're doing online within the marketing they're doing. I think I could really help them with it if that was a solution that you're going down. But those things don't happen unless you know first off yourself. And it's almost. <laughs> It's almost selfish of you to think that people are going to go out there and actually put any time into finding you any referrals when if you make it easy and go, this is the person, this is the job role, this is the company, this is the sector that they are in. Firstly, they might not know the person, they might not know the sector, they might not know someone in the company, they might not know someone that's in the sector that's got a different job role, they might not know someone in that job role in a different company in the same sector. So there's a, you're helping people to join the dots. But at the very least, by asking for the name, if someone wants to proactively to go away from some sort of referral business meeting that you've had and they want to help you in business, or they say to you, how can I help you? You say, do you know what? I see that you're connected to that lady from that law firm in Chester. Um, could you send this message out for me? And give them something to send. Really, really simple. But it gives them the opportunity to be able to help you. Whereas if you don't do that, it's impossible for them to be able to help you. And again, if you've got lots of different things, lots of different people that you could help. Yeah you're usually going to help the one that makes it easiest for you to help them first.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely, yeah, path of least resistance. Yeah, that's I'd, it. I'd never thought of it like that, than what you just said there, actually. If you can't be asked to find out who you want an introduction to, then why do you expect somebody else to find that out for you?
0: Yeah, if I'm in, ever in any sort of environment in a, in like a business group where I'm taking notes, I'm thinking, right, like, who are the people that can help? Who do people want introductions to? If people ask for a name, I write the name down, I write the company down. If people say I want to be introduced to Law firms. I literally don't write anything down. I think, what is the point if you don't know who I've been introduced mm-hmm. to? There's no point in me taking up some more space on my piece of paper because I've got enough people here that want to help me anyway. And in probably ten seconds' time, someone else is going to ask me for their help. It, it, it's going to ask me for help, so I'll help them if you don't want me to help help you. So, yeah, that's the way that that's the way I always look at it.
1: Oh. one one thing you mentioned um, a couple of minutes ago was something most businesses don't aren't really aware of, and that was value proposition. Yeah. So most people will talk about their services, what they do. So if I'm an accountant, I I do um, limited company corporation tax returns and I do um, self assessment and I do VAT returns, but they don't know what a value proposition is. So could you explain what that is and how you come to a value proposition?
0: Yeah. So within, I mean, the big thing that I'm, you know, I say in business, look, it's not what you sell, it's how you sell it. Now, nobody on the planet on the most part, wants the thing that you sell. That's the first thing that I try to get across to people. And to be fair, before I've got in and I'm speaking to them on sort of a one-on-one basis or one-to-many basis, they probably already understand that because any interaction we've had before that, that's what I've tried to get across to them. Because if they mm. if they get that they're on, that they could do something a little bit better, I know I can help them. If they think they're absolutely doing everything at the moment, that working not very well and think, um, you might be able to do something for us, but we don't really know where we'll get to anyway. I, I wouldn't even waste any time sitting down with them because if no, if somebody doesn't know what success looks like, There's nothing I can help them achieve. So I would look at the business and say, look, nobody wants the thing that you sell and try to get them to understand what are the things that they are doing in their business at the moment that is adding value to their proposition that usually their clients don't understand. So if we use, um, I don't know, if you use an example of, you said an accountancy firm, didn't you? So if the accountancy firm, in the process that they are onboarding the clients, people might be coming to them just because they need an end of year like tax return thing doing. But at the same time, right, what else do you do for your clients in the process of what of what you're doing? Because they might do like, you know, expense reporting, they might help advise them on whether they've got like R and D tax claims or any other tax things that they've got going in the business, any other implications of um managing their tax in a certain way, they might advise them on where they've got excess capital in the business, where they can spend it on certain things so that it doesn't get um uh it doesn't become impactful on the tax and blah blah, blah loads of different things. Mm. But the thing is if you put anything that you do in your business into a framework that people understand the value of, you can put that into how how valuable what it is that you provide. So if the, um, the year-end tax thing, I don't know, what what small accountancy firm will charge, it could be anything from probably 200 quid to 1,000 pound, whatever it is. But if you're trying to sell it at that and everybody else is trying to sell the same thing, the year-end tax thing, you're going to struggle to get traction because what people want to know is how quick can they have it and how much is it are the two things everybody asks. Yeah. So if you're just selling the same thing as everybody else and you get a price objection in your business... It's only because you've allowed your customers, your prospects to commoditize what you do, even though you've probably spent years or lots and lots and lots of your time crafting a perfect solution for a market. So if you're not helping them to understand that you're different, no wonder you're going to get a price objection. So you think about all the different things that you could offer to the client and you say, we do the year end tax thing and it's whatever, 299 and we do a one on one Um, assessment with you which is proven to reduce the tax that you pay by 50% and that's 199 and we do um, a a walk around your office to see where you've got R&D potential tax claims blah 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 we do a uh, market um, research, market research for you to understand where there are grants within your sector to get free grants. What all those things are, and you put a value against them, and suddenly you go right. We do the year end, uh, we do year end tax. We also give you this, we give you this, we give you this, we give you this, we give you this. Total value of all that is five thousand um, pound. But what we can do, because um, I want to work with you today, we can put something together, and it's just going to be nine 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 as an example. But the the idea is that the perceived value that you build into what it is that you do means that the people that are you're trying to engage with, a are like, wait a minute, that's not what a year end tax company around the corner are doing, but there might be things that you're already doing in the business because you're not allowing your customers to understand that you do them. And because you've not put a value against them, people just think, oh, they do that anyway. You know, you might be doing a one-on-one or an onboarding thing, or there might be like a portal they get access to. Well, I was with a company this morning that have got an app that they don't really talk to the clients about. It's mad because it's so much value to talk them through a process, but what are all these different things that you have got? And literally let your clients understand that those are benefits of working with you. Now, if you don't let them know those things, you are going to get price objections, even though you're selling something that's different.
1: Mm.
0: Like if I'm selling a computer and someone else is selling a, an orange, like you can't get a price. Someone could say, I found that cheaper around the corner. No, that's an orange. Like It's a completely different thing. You've got to help people to understand that you're different. And if you, if you get them yeah. to understand that you're different, you can stand out. So mm. a good example, because everyone understands, well, I was going to say everybody understands fitness. There's different levels of degrees of, of, of how how people mm, yeah. understand fitness. You know, I'm not I'm not pointing finger at anyone. You no, know, by the way, so I'm the only one here. So you know, point a finger away. <laughs> I can see Superman behind you. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, so he's there, fit. Yeah. So there's um. Imagine three gyms all on the same road. So three gyms, all on the same road, all the same size, all the same layout of the building, all the same colors, all the same kit that's in there, all the same machines, all the same staff, everything is identical. And one gym, the first gym, so A is £25 a month, B is £50 a month, and C is £100 a month, all just gym memberships in the same building, which one is selling out first? Mm, The cheap one. Yeah, so 25 quid sells out, and once they get at capacity and they can't take it anymore, the business that's 50 or the business that's 50 gets a little bit. And if that gets to the point where it's maximized, the £100 a month might start picking up some clients. Okay, Now, some people will go, oh, well, I'd go to the most expensive one. Like Some people are just like that, conspicuous consumption and all that. But what they'll do in a sh- not-too-distant sort of period, they'll go, I'm not really getting any result from this that I could get from somewhere else, and they'll trade down. Now, if you imagine those three examples, all the same thing, all the gyms – But the one that's the £100 a month suddenly said, you know what, Um, we're the gym, same thing. But on top of your gym membership, you also get personal training sessions to make sure that you're on track to understand what your goals are. Um, We're putting together a program to make sure that you can lose a stone in 30 days to look amazing for your wedding day, for example. So you start to think, right, well, these are the people I can market towards because they're getting married in whatever period of time. We also give you a nutrition plan to make sure you can eat healthfully. We give you shopping plans to make sure you're buying the right stuff. We give you exercise plans so you can work out when you're at home so that when you've got the kids, you can still make sure you're doing your exercise routines. We've got accountability things. We've got this platform. We've got this app. We've got these trackers with all these different things. If you in the, if you would like to lose a stone in a month and they guaranteed it that if you didn't get the result that you wanted, it would give you your money back, where would you be going? Would you go into the £25, the £50 or the £100? And everyone wanting that result goes to the £100. It's the same thing, but one business has proactively gone, do you know what, I'm going to frame this in a different way to increase the perceived value. And that's that's the bit when I'm in with a business, that's what I try to help them to do. Like, What are the things you're already doing? Because there'll be lots of them that will build you value. But then what are the other things that are going in in your client's or your prospect's life right now that if you could just help them to overcome those little bits, it's just your value just starts to go up and up and up and up. And as it does, if anyone ever says to you, well, I found it cheaper around the corner... The gym that's hundred pound a month. It says, "Oh, they're twenty five quid a month." Okay, I thought you wanted the. I thought you wanted to lose a stone for your wedding day. Oh, I do. Okay, well, it's hundred pound a month. If you just, if you just want a gym membership, yeah, it's twenty five pound a month. I'll I can walk you around if you want. If you want the twenty five pound a month, mm-hmm. and no, 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 I want the result. Ah, okay, well, that's why it's that's why it's a hundred quid. And the other bit, if you've got if you built your value into into what it is that you do, if someone ever says is there anything you can do on the price, you say, "Yeah, which bits out of what we do don't you want?"
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: And on the most part, if it's been sold in the right way and you framed it in the right way, the thing should be a logical process of all those things that they will want. And if they do want to take something out, you might be able to do a little bit on the price. But the thing I'm always conscious of, whether it's in my business or anyone else's, is never negotiate your own value. Because I'm not like, I don't, I say to everybody, I don't sell to anybody, but people buy from me. Because I try to build as much value with people as I can into what I do. So that there's things that they have practically implemented that have worked so that they can see that, wow, if that free stuff is that good, what must the paid stuff be like? Hmm. And that's what that's sort of what I try to get across to people when I'm when I'm working with them, so that they can engage more with their target audience. So, quite a long answer, but it's it's, it's a great answer.
1: It's a great <laughs> answer, and I, and I love that bit about the price there because it everybody at some point in business has been asked by a potential client, "Is there anything you can do with the price? Can I have it cheaper than that? Can I have a discount? Can I have a discount for being in B and I? No, fucking can't get lost. Um, <laughs> but what people will tend to do is feel awkward about it and oh, I'll give you a 10% off. But if somebody's doing that to you, if they're knocking the price down, and I've had companies come to us and say, our competitors have done this to them. They were quoting two grand a month, but because we were cheaper, they've knocked the price down. It's like, well, they were ripping you off then, weren't they? If they can <laughs> suddenly whack their price down by 50% or by 25%, that was all profit for them. They're able to do that. There's got to be a reason as you say, that they're knocking that price down. What are they taking out? And that's exactly what we say. If somebody wants a discount, wants it cheaper, it's like, we can do that, but we've got to take this out, we've got to take this out, we've got to take this out. Yeah. The, if you want it cheaper, there is an alternative. You could go to, say, Wix and get a Wix website, hmm. which you can get for free or 10 quid a month. It's yeah. not going to get you any business.
0: So a couple totally of things. That, with, the, with the price thing, if at the front end, you know, I, I remember being trained on this years ago, and it's not the way that we do it now, but if someone has had the opportunity and obviously I've sold physical product so someone will go elsewhere and say I found it cheaper elsewhere. Mm. If I've gone in there blind and they've gone in and had a chance to see my prices to undercut them, I would always look they like they've had a they've had a second chance because they were more expensive, your existing supplier. Now you've given them my quote that was blind and they've gone cheaper. Can I have a second chance as well? That's not the way that I would do it now. Like mm. what's really important is when you're dealing with a client or a prospect is not talking to them about what it is that you do and how much the thing is gonna be. So if I sit down with somebody, I will never, ever, ever, ever send them a proposal by email, never. So some people go, oh, can you send me a proposal? I go, no, what, what we've spoken about today, all I'm trying to do is understand what result you are trying to achieve, okay? Now, my goal, if I choose to work with you, there's only one of me, there's hundreds of you out there, like I was with a recruitment company a few weeks ago, 43 million turnover last year, right? There's only one of me, like I'm confident there's only one of me, but I've only got a limited amount of time. So even though it's a really big company, I'm not desperate to work with them because I can't work with them unless they know what success looks like. And they said, we want to upskill some of our staff. I was like, great. What is the result you're going to get from upskilling your staff? I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. We might be able to get more placements and to sort of look at each other. And like, okay, but what, what would it look like? So if I you know, if I doubled what you were doing now, like that would be a good result as far as I would be concerned. But if you've got in your mind that it would be five times the result, you might go away from working with me saying he's not very good because he only doubled our business. I would never put myself in that position. So it's really important that if you're dealing with a prospect, get on their page as to what it is that they're trying to achieve. Because it might be they want to go on a holiday because the, the wife or the husband has been miding for three years because they've not been on holiday because they're working too hard in the business. Or they're trying to send the kids to private school or it's a car they really want to buy or it's a business. There might be a CRM system that they're trying to buy and they've not been able to get the capital out of the business to, to uh, to spend on it. If you can get on the same page of what it is they're trying to achieve and then help them to understand the result that you can deliver gets them that thing, you never need to have those awkward conversations about whether they've gone to a different supplier or you'll know, be one of those people that goes, just a courtesy call to see where you're up to with the quote I sent you four weeks ago. Like, every single person that receives that call knows you're just trying to sell. Like, you're just mm-hmm. trying to sell the thing that they didn't want because they've not gone ahead. Mm-hmm. Whereas if at the front end you're like, this is the result that you are trying to achieve and you help them to understand that your mission is literally just to solve that problem for them and to achieve it. And you come at the meeting going. Do you know what? It's my goal to make sure you're on holiday. Let, let's just let's put it into context. Where are you going on holiday? Can I go? Oh, you're not going to want me to come with you, are you? Right. Where are we going? Imagine I'm your wife. Okay. Now, what? What a horrible thought for you. But imagine I'm your wife. Where are we going? Going to Los Angeles. When are we going? November. Great. So you're making all the notes. How much is going to cost you? Blah blah blah. Where are you going to go when you're there? Have you seen any restaurants? Great. And you get to the bit where. Do you know what we'd love to do? We'd love to be sat on the beach and we'd love to sip in a pina colada and blah 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 blah. Anytime you have a future interaction with them, you're not phoning going. And what did you think of the quote? You're like, how close are we to the pina cloud on the beach? Because mm. it's my mission to make sure I, I I deliver that result for you. And if you can help them to understand that you're on the same page as them, trying to achieve the same thing, you're not selling anything. Mm. And, and and obviously nobody does it. So you, you you help stand yourself out from everybody else anyway. The the other thing on the costing, if you're selling physical product, that I think really really helps is when if you're talking to uh, to somebody and that you know someone's much cheaper. If they are much, much, much cheaper, they're probably not as good a probably not as good a quality. So we we've done loads of furniture over the years, and we because we've got certain accreditations, we can't sell anything that's just made from the Far East because it doesn't adhere to EU fire regulations. How that's as technical as I'm going to get on this call, by the way. <laughs> but we couldn't sell that type of furniture because if it sets on fire, like we'd be liable, all that type of stuff, and the, the employer wouldn't be covered. So if someone comes up and says, "Right, your chair is ninety nine quid, but we found one that's on um, on." I'm not gonna name a name of a company, but I just found one that's online and it's fifty-nine quid and it seems to be the same chair. I'd be like, Can we just can we just understand it? Are we talking about price or are we talking about cost? Which always baffles people. anyone listens to this now will probably go, Are they not the same thing? Okay. I'll say, Are we talking about price or are we talking about cost? And like, what do you mean? I'm like, Well, I thought I thought we were talking about the um I I thought we were talking about the cost. And they're like, Well, what what's the difference? I say, Well, our chair is actually guaranteed, and it's gonna it will it will it's guaranteed for two years. And if anything goes wrong with it, we'll actually replace it. So it's ninety nine quid over the next two years. The chairs that you're talking about, those chi- those chairs from the far east, they last about six months. And you could tell a quick story if you've got them, which I'm sure you will have in your sector. I had a client that bought that thing, and they ended up having to replace it four times. So whatever fifty nine, sort, two hundred and thirty six quid. So the cost of the chair that's fifty nine quid is two hundred and thirty six quid over the next two years. Ours is ninety nine pound. Which would you prefer? And again, not not just how you frame it. Which would you prefer, two hundred thirty-six quid or ninety-nine quid? Which is which is better? Like I even like, sound confused when you're saying it. Like, do you want two hundred thirty-six quid or ninety-nine quid? Because if it was me, I'd want the the ninety-nine. And um, it's very difficult to when you when if, if what you're saying is factual, they've just not understood it in a certain way. You can help you can help them to overcome their own objections in their own mind by going. Do you know what? Yeah, we are going to have to re- change them in a, in a few months. And sometimes by doing that, you can actually trade them up to the next level up. Because if then suddenly that's all the, um, uh, all that money over and above the amount that, they, that you were charging already, consumer surplus, that's the word I was looking for. Mm. I've got an economics degree. That's the first time I've ever used it. <laughs> consumer surplus, the bit over and above the amount that you charge that somebody would have been willing to pay. Once you understand that they are now willing to pay and they understand that the cheaper option is 100 and. Uh, thirty-seven pound more than your ninety-nine pound option. You've got a whole load more leeway there for something that you could trade upskill, oh. and, uh, upskill them. You could um, upsell them to something else. It's actually a lot more, makes you a lot more margin. So, just, just, just literally framing what it is that you do in a different way to help people to understand why it's better to use you than somebody else yeah. gets away from the price objection.
1: It's interesting there. I mean, the first bit you talked about, obviously, painting the picture of you on the beach. That's future pacing. You're painting the idea of what's going to happen after they've worked with you, not the sales training or the website or the SEO or whatever your service is. It's where they're going to be after it. That's the important thing. And what you talked about there about explaining to them that the cheaper option actually isn't the cheaper option, it's the more expensive option. We, we did that last year. We had a, a potential client come to us that wanted a website. Uh, the quote for our website is one of our Fresh Start websites. It's 99 quid a month plus VAT on a, on a two-year contract, as it was at the time. It's, it's three years now. But they were going to go ahead with it. But then they got a call from, I'm, I'm going to name them, um, Yell, as in Yellow Pages, who sell websites. Very aggressive sales tactics they use. They don't let you go. And Yell was going to do this website for them, and it was going to be a lot cheaper. And we explained to them, don't take our word for it. If you have a Yale website, it may not get finished. Just I won't even send you any links. Just Google it. Have a look at the reviews. Have a look at what people are saying. If you still want to go with Yale, go with Yale. Otherwise, come back to us and we'll talk about it. And he came back to us within an hour. I've read the reviews. There's no way I'm going with them. I'm going with you. Because he realized that it wouldn't actually have happened and it wouldn't have been what he wanted. So that that does work really well.
0: Yeah, I mean, his objection there mes- wasn't necessarily the price. His objection was obviously it was going to be reliable and he was going to get the result that he wanted. So mm. again, just the thing with the thing with objections, price is, is one thing, but quite often the objection that somebody gives you first off is not the objection. It's getting past that bit to help them to understand what their issue was. So I was in with um, uh, a law firm recently, and one of the ladies there who's the business development manager, she was, she was speaking to pretty much every client that came through any funnel that was coming through. She was the one that had the initial call to direct them in the right way. And she said, sometimes people are coming on and just saying, I oh, want a quote. Like, I just want to know, I just want to know how much it is. But she was thinking, I just need to give them the quote. And she's like, they're not our sort of client we want anyway, because they just want a price. I'm like, mm. I would imagine that the people, because we we're talking about conveyancing at the time, the people that are coming into their world literally wanting a price right now, the price isn't the thing that's they're conscious about. The reason they want it right now is because they need something to happen and they, they want to be moving house and they're in a chain or something. They need to get something sorted fast. So actually, you're thinking the price thing is the big thing. It's not. like How quick it is going to be done is why they need that right now. I said, look, if you just ask a really simple question, rather than saying, well, it's this, because you think they want to get you off the phone, I say, it's a question. Do you mind me asking why it is really important that you get a price so quickly? And they're probably going to say, you know, we've got, I don't know, our, we've gone enough to move the kids schools and we need to be moved into the house in time to get the, so that we fall into the catchment area to get them into the school that we want. Like, that is not a price objection. It's about as million miles away from a price objection as I've ever heard. So you say, okay, great. Who have you spoken to already? And they say, well, I've spoken to this company, this company, this company. And go, what sort of timescales are they talking about? And they say, well, it's eight to 12 weeks. I'm like, would you like to get it done in half the time? They probably say, yeah. Go, great. Well, we've actually got a fantastic solution that will make sure that your kid can get into the catchment area. What's the date you need to have it done by? We could guarantee that you could do it. Now, you can't always guarantee exactly that you can give a result by a certain date, but you can guarantee with certain things that you have in your control that they are done in a certain period of time, and suddenly you stand yourself out from somebody else because you've taken on board what it is that they want and not what you've thought on the front end. They just want a price. Like Mm. Nobody just wants a price. Like They want to know the thing that they think that they want. (laughs) They want to know when they can have it, that's all. But if it's urgency, like, like, oh, I can show you how we can do it much faster than anybody else. You know, yeah, it's three hundred quid round there. We're nine hundred, but you know, we'll have it done in half the time. But you know, if you want to go three hundred and risk the whisk, you know, little Sammy not getting into the school that he wants, then you know, here's the number of a firm around the corner that take ages. Like, hmm. which which result do you want? You can't always be that direct to everybody, obviously. But <laughs> you've got, to, if unless you're taking on board what it is that they want to achieve and what their result is, and you help them to understand, that my mission is to get that result for you. You're going to find it difficult to stand yourself out from everybody else. But the the thing is, just those little touch points that you have with them and helping them to understand that you're trying to achieve the same thing, it really really helps you to it helps those people to what I buy to you. Yeah.
1: No, I've I've found that to be the case almost all the time when somebody has a price objection, it's not price that's the problem. It's it's very very rarely price. It's usually a mask for something else, and exactly what you've said there. And you, I think you've mentioned it twice now during this interview. Um, it's finding out what the goal, what somebody wants to achieve, what Mm. it is they want to get out of it is usually the best way to proceed rather than just trying to sell to them the service that you've got. Again, it happens with us a lot. People come to us and say, we're interested in Facebook ads. Why are you interested in Facebook ads? Most companies would go, yeah, we can do that for you. It'll cost this. This is our setup fee and this is how much our budget is. Or we're interested in Google ads. Yeah, we can run that for you. It's like, what do you actually want to achieve? Because yeah. that might not be the best way to do it. You know, if you want a website, what do you want to achieve? That yeah. might not even be the best way to do it. Find out what they want to go for. What goal have they got? And then back work the best way to get them there. Yes. Yeah. Because then you're giving them what they need and what they want, not selling them the service that you just want to want to flog them.
0: Yeah, So the way I train it, I would say you've got to sell someone the thing that they think they want before you can give them what they need. So if you know you've got an amazing solution to somebody, somebody's problem, but you're trying to sell the thing, you need to package it in a way that's something that they think that they want. Because the problem is if you're trying to sell something that you think everybody knows that they need, by definition, if they know that they need it, it is already something that is out in the marketplace that they can go and find from somewhere else. So obviously they can just do benchmarking and stuff. And that's where you start getting price objections. Um, I like the web web agency example because it's one I use quite often. I like having the conversations with web agencies and saying, look, you know, nobody needs a website, don't you? And often, you know, it's, it depends how, it probably depends how senior they are in business, actually, to be fair, without trying to dumb anybody down. But I'll have the conversation and say, you, you know, need, no one needs a website. And quite often, especially if you're new in business, they'll say, of course they do. I'm like, what do they need a website for? Like, oh, well, you know, to, to grow their online presence. I'm like, all oh, right, okay. What would happen if they grew the online presence? I'm like, oh, well, they'd, you know, they get more visits. Oh, what happens if they got more visits? Oh, well, they'll get more leads. What happens if they get more leads? They'll get more sales. Ah, right. i was get more sales. Well, they'll be able to. Then, then they're looking at me like I'm stupid. Well, they'll be able to generate more sales. They'll be able to have a better life. They'll be able to employ more staff, and they'll be able to scale the business. Ah, okay, great stuff. So, no, show me the last website that you've made for anybody. I bet it looks amazing, doesn't it? So they'll bring up a website. I can, I can pick on one like exactly fairly <laughs> recently. And it looked, no, to be fair, the website looked good. There's no call to action on the front bit, which I thought was daft. But there you go. They opened the, the website up. It looked really, really good. All the colors were in the right places and stuff. You know, it, it did look good. And I said, great. I said, t- I said, do me a favor, how, how much have you charged for that roughly? Now, you don't need to tell me. And he went, 10000 pounds Like about 10 went, okay, fantastic. I said, now stay with me. Imagine you'd gone in to to pitch the client. You've gone, look, this is the result. I'm assuming that's what you do, don't you? So at the point where you're sort of handing it over or you know, you're managing it or whatever, you go, This is the final result. And they go, Yeah, I'm happy with it. Okay. Imagine you're in that meeting, you show them everything, you say all oh, the colours are right, the fonts are great, everything's in the right position. You say it's not going to generate generate you any sales at all. But it's ten thousand pound. How quick can you get that money over? Do you think they're sending you ten thousand pound? Because I know they're not, and it's because you've tried to you're trying to sell the website, and they don't need the website. If the result that they wanted was more sales, that's what they're paying the money for. But the flip side is, if at the front end, when you're having your conversations with your client, if they're saying they what a website you're talking to them about a website, and you're getting on the same page as them as to how many leads they want to generate, you know, how many visits they want to it. Is it a data collection type thing? Are they trying to are they, are they trying to like what is their overall strategy and what is the goal, and you sell that as a result, you can charge whatever you want. Because if they say we want to generate £100,000 worth of sales through the website, um, and that's the goal that they've got, and you think you've got a solution that can help them to deliver it, as long as you're less than £100,000 a month, that is a good result for them. Now, you're probably not going to go in at 99000 but I guarantee <laughs> you can go in a lot lot higher than the 500 quid or £1,000 a month that some people try to charge for websites. But the funny thing is, Those same people are trying to sell the websites. If they've got a client that they're speaking to, and they say we're a thousand pound, and they say, "Well, we found one um, that's been made in the Far East, and it's five hundred quid." The web designer here thinks that that company is stupid for going using someone in the Far East, when it's actually the opposite. Like they are. Why would they be stupid to go and buy the same thing from somewhere else for half the price? You're stupid if you're not. Mm. So if you're in the position where you're getting price objections, it's probably because you're allowing your your prospects to see you in the exact same light as all of your competitors even if you're 10 times as good as them with that that is the daft bit mm. it was just only by asking the right questions that's where close, like closing people oh, can you come and help us with closing i'm like closing is pretty easy do it at the, do it at the start so find out what result they want to get find out when they want to get the result by find out that you're on the same page as to if they can if you can achieve it and it's within whatever budget they've got and if you can achieve that result, from that first meeting, you're like, right, if I can deliver this result for you and we can get it done in the next seven days, like, like when can we go ahead and sign the deal? Like when are we going ahead? Because what you want, I can deliver. Like, why do you need to speak to anybody else? Like what is it you think anybody else is going to be able to do? Because if the if if there's other things that they think somebody else can do, it's probably because it's just something you're not covered yet. They're like, okay, no worries. If you speak to somebody else tomorrow, what are the things you're going to ask them? Because I try to make sure we're on the same page with what it is you're trying to do. So that's the thing at the front end. If you ask the right questions at the front end, and the, the line I always loved using when I was face-to-face with clients trying to get them on board as clients, I would be saying, I'd just like to have 10 minutes with you just to find out more about your needs as a buyer and also as a business. Is that okay? And no one would ever say no. Because like, that's really nice of you to want to know more about my needs, but I frame questions in a way that identified needs that they had in their business. And that's where the, you know, if your solution, you know prob- like problems and solutions and that type of stuff, if you can become a problem finder in a business, some people go, I'm a problem solver. So naturally, I am like that. Like if someone's got a problem, I'll try to find a way that I can solve it. But in a business, if somebody already knows they've got a problem, they've already gone to market to try to find a solution to it. So you might be too late. Whereas if you can identify problems in their business that they don't already know that they've got, you're in a marketplace of one because there's nobody else. They couldn't possibly have gone to market to find the solution to something they didn't know was going on. Mm. So that's, a, that's, that's the way I like to look at the, 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 that sort of stuff.
1: That, that actually leads quite into SEO in a big way. Because what you've talked about there, the problems and the solutions, most people when they put content on their website and they talk about what they do is they talk about the solutions that they have. They don't talk about the problems. People aren't Googling the solutions because they don't know what they are. They're Googling the problems. Yeah. But everybody puts the solutions on the website, what they do, how many years they've been in business, what they offer. Talk about the problems because that's what people are searching for.
0: Yeah, I love that. I start using that. Obviously, I don't advise necessarily. An if someone asks, someone asks me if I say, "I say, look, I am not the person at all. Like, I don't know. I know, I know enough of what people that I trust have told me about it, but I would never, I would never even think of offering advice. But yeah, if they can, if they can work out the problems that people have got in the businesses that are leading to something else. So if they're not generating enough sales, but there's a problem, go something going on in their business or with their offering that is meaning that it's stopping them from being able to do that. There's probably a way that you could reverse engineer it, yeah, to mm. to get a lot more traction online with it.
1: Yeah, because if you've got a problem with your car or a problem with your computer, you Google the error message. You Google the problem. This is what's happening. You don't yeah. Google the solution because you don't know what the solution is. Yeah, love it. Yeah, most people just talk about the solutions. So
0: Wait, that's why I love doing do stuff work. like this because I can learn.
1: Oh. <laughs> right, let's let's talk about B and I for the for the last few moments. I think you've been in how long is it? A eight, eight years. Eight years, like a prison sentence, isn't it? Prison yeah. sentence, and. <laughs> What made you visit for the first time? What was your experience when you first went in?
0: So I've been a member, uh, well, yeah, I've been a member eight years now. Before that, I joined was in a core group. Um, I'm still a member of the same group, by the way, so I joined in a core group. I'd probably visited BNI maybe four times over the course of two or three years. Mm. All those meetings were in the golf club in the middle of nowhere, all early morning starts, um, all doing lots of business, but I could never see how it would fit. My business, So I I would turn up in a three-piece suit because I, I always wore three-piece suits every day because I thought that's what business people had to do when they went to events. And I'd go to this event and be met at the door by a plasterer that looks like he's literally just finished work. Never mind, just starting. <laughs> and I'm like, this isn't uh, – I, I can't see – how are these people going to know the law firms that I want to be introduced to or the recruitment agency or the digital agencies that I wanted to win, win and work with? So I could never really see the fit. And because I couldn't see that they'd know anybody that I needed, I was like, I don't know any people that could help you. I don't know anybody in property that could help you. I always missed it. I didn't, It wasn't for me. And all that happened was I was driving. I remember it vividly. I was coming down the M60, coming off at Junction 9, and the phone went, looked at the, obviously, it was on the hands free. Guy called Alex, who was a client of mine from a company in Trafford Park. I said, Hi, Alex, how's it going? He said, Oh, really good. How are you? I said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not bad. What could I do for you? And he's like, Oh, are you looking to take on any uh, new clients at the moment? I said, Yeah, yeah. Always looking to take on new clients. What have you got in mind? He said, I'm, I'm meeting with, on, uh, on Wednesday with about 40 local business owners. And we're looking for someone reliable in office supplies to pass some regular work to. Like, I was like, amazing. Like, what, like, can I come along? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah come along. Like, I said, what do I need to do? He said, just bring 40 business cards with you. I'll make some introductions to you. He says, like, like worst case scenario, you'll meet some interesting people. There should be some work you can do. And must have asked a couple more questions. And I remember when I was coming off the call to him, I said, Alex, is it one of those BI things? And he said, it is. Why'd you ask? And I said, do you know what? And then, and then I sort of was deflated. So I thought, oh, it's the same thing as what I've been to before. And I said, do you know what, Alex, thanks for thinking of it, but it's not for me. I've been to some of those meetings before. There's none of my sort of people there. It's not the sort of thing that I think it works in the sector that I'm in, which is office supplies at the time. And he said, listen, I'm not inviting you to join or apply or anything like that. More than anything else, you'd just be doing me a favor because it's a new group that's starting and I want them to see that I'm well connected. So I'm trying to invite as many people as I can. And I was like, you know what? Listen, if it does you a favor, I will come along 100%, but just, i just let you know I'm not going to be applying. And he said, yeah, yeah, fine. Obviously, famous last words, now eight years on. <laughs> uh, so I went along to the meeting. There was actually about 70 people there. Wow. The way they did core groups was really different at the time. They didn't take any payments until we literally launched, which was daft. So we were having 50, 60, 70 every week, and it took nine months to launch. Mad. But, um, yeah, I went on to the meeting, and I was sat next to a guy called David Jones in the course of the meeting, who at the time was working for Kites, and he was on my top five list of, at uh, Kites, one of my top five list of target clients that I had in the spreadsheet in the office. And I got to sit next to the next to one of the partners. So throughout the course of it, I was thinking, all I need to do is keep coming back to this event. I'm going to build a relationship with David and I'm going to win Kites. It all, it all seemed to work at your know, future pace. I'm like, I've got this all planned out. It's a hundred grand a year account that for me. And all I've got to do is just sit with David for a few more weeks. So anyway, long story short, I came back the week after, came back the week after, came back the week after. David suddenly disappeared, but he was a member of another chapter. And he's still a member today, funnily enough, and now he's the managing partner of Glaciers. So, you know, you find him on I Connect if you're in BI. Um, so I kept going back, kept going back, kept going back, started to pick up some opportunities from other people, started to build some really good relationships. And when it got to the point that we were launching the group, my then boss came to me one day when I was in the office and um he was showing me some stats. He said, oh, well done on this. That's looking good. Your average order value or something like that. Um he says, Is there anything you need for me at the moment? I said, Oh, I just need to pay that invoice for that that I think. And he went, Oh. I mean, I meant to talk to you about that. Come into my office. So I went to his office, and he's like, "How long have you spent on that?" I was like, "Well, we've been. I've been going for about six months." He's like, well, "How long?" I was like, "Well, it's like two hours a week." He's like, "Right." So he's doing some stats. He's like, "How much business have we done?" And I think we've done about five grand worth of business. So he's adding it all up. He's like, "Do you know what? You've done five grand worth of business from that time you put in. How many calls would you make in an office when you're in here?" Blah blah blah. I went through stats. He went, "If you'd have done cold calling in the office, you'd have made six grand. So cold calling works better than that." Being, I think, so we're not going to do it. So I walked out, I was like, wow. So again, deflated thinking, I can see how this b i thing is really going to work for me because I've put the time into the relationships now and it's getting to the point where it's going to start working really well. And I came out and thought, we're launching next week. What like, What can I do? And then it came to a head on the Thursday, later on that week, I was driving through Flixton, get to all the glamorous locations. I was in Flixton <laughs> in uh, in Manchester and uh, the operations manager phoned me and he said, where are you? I said, I'm in Flixton. Why? He said, our our, calls, our, uh, our orders are down for the day. I need to come in the office and get on the phones. And I'm you know, i target. My target was up and up and up and up every month. And what they were frightened of was losing any clients. So what he wanted me to do was come into the office, phone round and see if anybody needs any paper that they were probably going to order tomorrow anyway, just to bring it in today. So he's not getting it in the neck from the boss. I was like, no, no, I've got two prospects to this afternoon. I'm not coming in the office. He was like, no, you need to come in. I said, Simon, I'm not coming in the office. I'm in control of my own diary, my own, my own target. Like, if I miss my targets, 100% get on my back, but don't get on my back because everyone else's figures are low. Um. Anyway, we had a bit of a heated discussion, and I put the phone down on him, and I would never – I'm not that person at all. I'd never do that. Anyway, he phoned me back straight after. He's like, did you just put the phone down on me? I said, yeah. He said, I want to see you in the office tomorrow, first thing. I was like, whatever. Put I put the phone down again. I was coming in the office first thing anyway, Friday, so I thought I was going to be there anyway. Anyway, I got in there on Friday morning. I know this is a long-winded story, but as I got in there, walked into the boardroom, there were sheets of paper all over the desk about call stats and number of clients open, number of new prospects, all those types of stuff. And I walked in, I was like, wow. I was like, I was like I've had enough of this. And he was like, what do you mean? I said, I, said, I quit. This isn't for me. Like this micromanaging isn't going to work. I've, my, my target's going up and up and up and you're not helping me to achieve it. You're actually holding me back. So anyway, we ended up having a call with the MD that day. Um, again, really long-winded story, but he said, do you want to think about it over the, over the weekend? I said, no, like that's it, I'm done. So I got on the phone to um a service provider that I'd already spoken to a few months previous about setting up on my own. He said, We can have it set up by the end of next week. So I was like, great. Got on the phone to the printer that I knew and the printer I said, can you mock me up some business cards? He's like, Yeah, yeah, what's the design? I'm like, I've no idea. He said, Have you got a logo? I said, No. He said, Okay, I'll make you one. I spoke to the telecoms company that we had. They sent me a phone up. I set up the email, uh, IT company, sent me up an email, all that type of stuff. So he brought the cards to our meeting on the Wednesday and I set my business up literally like that, off the, off the back of the relationships that I had in the room. Wow. that set everything up for me and obviously looking back now that was the best decision that I ever made now like with the training and stuff that I do now that famous Napoleon Hill quote a goal is a dream with a deadline that really resonates with me now and I'd never seen it before I'd set it up on my own but I'd always had the dream of setting up my own business but I'd never put a plan in place as to when I was going to achieve it by and because I didn't I'd never I'd never done it and literally it come to a head and it was the launch of the B&I chapter meeting the week after that made me make a decision because I was either going to have to step away from being completely when I, when I could see it was going to work and be micromanaged forever or put my hand in my own pocket and pay it still working for that company and be asked to come into the office at some point, like randomly. So I might have to be absent from the meeting, which I got wasn't the way that you did it or just like take a leap and go, I've got to do it now. And that was what, that was what happened, took that leap, did it. The first I didn't have any money in the business or anything like that. I didn't have enough money to put aside. But I paid it out of my own pocket, and that was the, you know, lucky back now, that's the best investment I ever made in my whole business. Mm.
1: That's incredible.
0: Yeah, oh, long winded story, but yeah, that's no no, no, how it evolved.
1: It's brilliant, and one of the one of the aspects of that story there is a benefit that most people don't realize about BNI until they've been in it for six months, twelve months, or longer. And that's the support you get within it as well. Everybody joins BNI to get rid of their business, to get more leads, to get more sales, to get more money in their bank account. But it's the support from other members, the fact that you had the printer helping you, you had the IT company helping you, you had the telecoms company helping you, and they were there on hand, they knew who you were, they pick up the call straight away, and you know you can trust them because you've known them for six months already. That's the benefit, I think, that B&I gives businesses that you just don't realise, it's just not tangible when you first visit, when you first join.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ivan says, doesn't he, about the people, he says it's never the reason that you join, but it's always the reason that you stay. Mm. It's those relationships that you've got. So, you know, anyone that's involved in and I understands it, even a little bit of it. The amount of advice that you get that you don't have to pay for is mental. So, like legal stuff, obviously you pay. Oh yeah. <laughs> every six minute intervals, aren't you? With stuff, but the amount of legal <laughs> advice I've had from people involved in BNI, just when I've said, look, I've got this issue, can you help me with it? And even stuff where they've written me letters and stuff, you know, to send to people, and we've not been paid on time and stuff like that, which used to happen lots. Um, just those little bits, but and then because they've done that, does it in that, in that exact thing. Um, what was this? I've been three, four weeks ago, a member came to me that i got gone super well with, and he's like, Um, I just wanted to ask you advice on something. I was like, On what? He went, I've not been paid by a client. And I'm thinking about eight years ago, when I was working for somebody else, I I wasn't even bothered if the client paid because it didn't impact me. Do you know what I mean? As a salesperson, mm-hmm. I like you know, the, the, the company chased that, it's not on me. But when I set up on my own, that became apparent. Ah, oh, I've got to be bothered about whether we get paid or not now, because it's whether I can put food on the table. Anyway, he said, um, not been paid by this this business. I was like, okay, what's going like? What's going on? Like, anyway, he told me the story. He said they've not been paid by a client for a service that they provided, but they were still giving him work now and paying for it. I was like, well, how has this not been paid for months and months and months ago? And they said, well, they've not been paid by their client yet. And they said they're going to pay me when they get paid. So well, that's not that's not what you've signed up to. You're already providing a good service. It's obviously good because they're still using you. All that you've done really is you've made it okay for them not to pay you. Hmm. Right? So look, can I give you some advice? What worked for me? I said, what I like to do is use the leverage of somebody else so that I get you don't want to damage the relationship. So you don't want to get on the phone and go, you've got to pay me or I'm going legal with you. Like you don't want to have those conversations. So what I do is just look, I'd, I'd pick the phone up and I'd say, look, I've outsourced all my invoices into an outsourced company. And the way that they are targeted is to make sure that stuff's paid on time. Now your stuff is already overdue. And what I don't want you to do is fall foul of them because they're going to be chasing you for it. What do I need from you to make sure it's paid by Friday? Mm. So literally, it's been paid by, by paid by Friday. It's going legal. It's out of my hands. And I want to help you. What do you need for me to make sure it's paid by Friday? I like that. And uh, anyway, what he chose to do was send an email. And, and a week later, it came to me. And how did he get on with that? He went, oh, I sent an email. And they said they'd come back to me. He went, oh, they are not come back to you, have they? He said, no. I said, you need to get on the phone or speak to the person uh, in person and say, this is being advanced to whatever stage on Friday. Somebody's on your back. You want to get them off your back. It's like, like, what do I? Like, what do you need from me? Like, so I can get them off my back and off your back. And they, if they are going to pay you, and they're just trying to delay it, you've just got to put some urgency on it so that they're going to do it. And one thing I've learned in business, the people that shout the loudest, are the ones that get paid.
1: Mm,
0: yeah. So you know, we've got an issue with a chapter. not an issue. We've got an, we've got a chapter in Manchester, and the venue haven't invoiced them for six months. So obviously they've not paid. The money's sat there in the account, but it's like, why have they got all that money? It's like, well, oh, they've not invoiced us. Like, what are we going to do? Chase them for an invoice. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how the world works. So, yeah, the the amount of advice and stuff that you get from people is is like an intangible benefit, definitely. And I've had loads of that.
1: Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, there, there is one last question I wanted to ask you. Um, we are running out of time, but I wanted to get this one in as well. Uh, from your position being, obviously, sales within B&I and my position being digital marketing, I'm the number one member in the chapter and in the region. Uh, you're obviously in the top 10 in the UK, which is a ridiculous achievement. How important do you think it is for people like me, who is SEO, social media, and you, who is sales, to be
0: leading from the front, to be the number one member? You know what? I love that question. And I sort of almost wish you'd have asked me yesterday so I'd come up with a better answer. But I was thinking about this. So if you're in a business and anything that you are you are doing in a businesses about generating sales or about uh, generating leads or whatever for businesses. I, I've i been thinking literally yesterday, if I was at an event, I knew there's other people there that were saying they offered something similar to me. Like nobody offers what I do. It's impossible for someone to offer the same thing as you. I'm big on that. So I couldn't care less whether someone says they are a sales trainer or a sales consultant. Like they don't do what I do and I don't do what they do. Well, that's a good thing because I would say my, anyway, my thing is better. If it had been in my environment, I would say I am the absolute best sales consultant in BNI. Don't take my word for it. Look at the traffic lights. Okay, (laughs) Who is the best salesperson in any chapter? So I'm talking to a chapter. Who's the best salesperson? Obviously, BNI is every weekly meeting. It's just about the visitors. So the people that are doing the most work to get people there are the best salesperson. So who's the best salesperson? Is it the person that knows everything or is it the person that takes action? If you employ one of those people, is it the one that takes the action or the one that just thinks they know everything? I like, I want the one that does, it takes action every time. So I'm like, yeah. I'm the number one visitor inviter. So the thing about sales in BNI that links is selling BNI to other people. I am the number one in BNI. So if you need any further evidence as to why I'm the best sales consultant around, please let me know. And if there's any other sales consultant that tries to challenge it, ask them why, they, why aren't they doing the same thing as me? Because <laughs> it either means they don't know that much, they know that much and they're not doing anything, or they're just choosing not to take any action. In, in any case, I wouldn't want to be working with any of those any of those people, and it's a difficult thing for them to overcome. Because they might go, "Well, oh, I've got more important things to do." Oh, All yeah. right, okay. Right, can you take on more clients? Right, okay. Well, what, what are you doing at the moment? Like, why have you got so much free time? Because you, you could be doing something really, really simple that is free training on how to do, and you've not you chosen not to do it. Right. So, yeah, I would say, like, I, I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot in that, and the old saying, "How you do anything is how you perceive to do any everything." Yeah, that's the bit that's really important. So, if you're seen to be you know, if you're late to meetings, and you don't turn up, like all those different types of things, I'm just not putting you in front of my client if you're not going to turn up. But if I put a meeting in my diary and you, if I put a meeting in my diary, I'm going to be there. If you put meetings in your diary and you don't turn up there, I'm like unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to work with you. Yeah. Have you ever had that before where you've brought you brought a visit along to meet somebody and then the member's not been there? I have. I, I have. brought like I brought somebody literally they wanted to meet you, and then I've had it before where they why aren't they here? Because I framed it in a way that they are coming to meet them. And when they don't, don't turn up, sometimes it's difficult to then get them a follow up meeting. It's like, well, I've put this time in my diary and they've not turned up. Why do I see them again? So mm. it's, again, we, start, we started off with the double edged sword thing. But if you do B and I well, the things that come off B and I will be good stuff. If you don't do B and I very well, you're going to struggle to get any of the benefits that those that do do it well get. Yeah, and then complain it's not working for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, nobody ever leaves B and I. Says it was me that you know it didn't work because it was me. <laughs> Everyone yeah. says my room was too big. My room was too small the chapter's massive, there's wrong not enough people. people in the chapter, the wrong people, I've got no one in my power team, like blah, 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 all the things. They never go, I didn't take it seriously enough, I didn't put any time into building relationships, or do you know what, I didn't proactively go out and use it to meet my target audience. They'll just go, they'll, they'll blame somebody else. The thing with the visitor inviting thing is that nobody ever leaves B&I that's got a visitor inviting strategy that is helping them to get more meetings with the target audience, which is why I tried to train it in that way, because once you start to implement it and it starts to work, it works better than anything else. Mm.
1: Well, that's, that's a lovely thing to end on, I think. A lovely positive to end on. So <laughs> yeah. as 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 a final thing, anybody that's listened to this and thought, bloody hell, that Dave Kelly's amazing, I want to speak to him. What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you?
0: Um, so either uh, – well, LinkedIn is where I'm sort of, I spend uh, most of my – I would say most of my time. I engage lots and lots of people on LinkedIn, and that's where I get a lot of feedback and stuff like that. There's going to be some training courses and stuff that I'm going to be putting out, but they'll be publicised on there. Our website, sales-union.co.uk – um, i've got a podcast called it's not what you sell it's how you sell it which is designed to be short sharp snippets of things that you can do to implement in your business on a day-to-day basis that can help you engage more of your target audience and um, so yeah any of those any of those methods would be good
1: all right fantastic i will put all of those links below the podcast so if you're listening on itunes or spotify they're below that if you're on youtube they're below in the description thank you very much david i have absolutely love this you are a a tour de force of of passion for sales and bni and it's been a pleasure talking to you
0: about it the pleasure's all mine thank you